Well, go ahead and grab your Bibles and uh, turn to John chapter 15. Last week's message, uh, we started about uh, the discussion in chapter 15 how Jesus and his disciples. They were leaving the upper room. They're heading towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, we are just hours, hours away from Jesus being arrested, from him being put on trial, for him being falsely accused and beaten and scourged and then put on a cross and crucified. We're just hours away from that. And Jesus isn't running. Jesus isn't hiding. Jesus is still sharing and challenging his disciples for those who have faith, he has more to say. So he inspires us with truth here in John 15. And, and we remember from last week that we were created to produce, to bear fruit. We have a, we have a purpose. And so that's a reminder from last week. And so it's like that, we said, a plant or a tree uh, that is, has fruit that's flowing out of us, out of our life. That which is demonstrated, people see it. Jesus says, before I leave, I want to remind you. I want to remind you of this fruit that I'm, that I'm giving to you, that I'm bearing within you. And you can put it on display. I'm giving you my spirit so you can show love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and, and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. I'm, I'm going to give you all these things so you can give those to others. But if you're like me... Uh, I am very uh, seasonal in my production of fruit. Um, some days I'm displaying joy and peace. Some days I am not. Some days I'm loving. Some days I am not. Now, when it comes to faithfulness, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm a plump grape, okay? But when it comes to self-control, I often feel like a shriveled raisin, uh, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, here's the thing about fruit. We learned that Jesus wasn't commanding us to bear fruit. The command was what? To abide, right? So we are to abide and have that relationship with Jesus Christ to dwell with him so that he can work in us and through us to produce that fruit. We abide by doing that which draws our affection to him. And last week we said, if it increases your affection for him, do it. If it diminishes your affection for him, don't do it. That's part of the abide factor. So let's go back to the truth of abiding in Jesus so that we will bear more fruit. Because again, peace, for instance, is a fruit of God's spirit. And we're living in a time of anxiety and fear. And uh, we need to kick anxiety and fear out, but you can't kick it out if you let it be a place of dwelling in your heart. Instead, we ask for God's peace, God's love to dwell in us. And again, that's part of that abiding. And it is challenging. No doubt about it. But remember, it's not about being more. I want to be more peaceful, more loving. It's about abiding in Jesus so that he will produce more in us. So we concluded last week, realized that even times like today that we are facing, which can be challenging, that when we abide in him, we will bear the fruit of peace and joy. If you remember in verse 11, it says this, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But then Jesus says, 
That fruit is supposed to be growing in us, right? Now we need to do something with it. All right? Now again, abide in him. Then we will bear that fruit. But now that we're bearing the fruit, Jesus says, now you got to do something with it. So let's, let's look at John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friend since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. Now in this passage, Jesus repeats an earlier command. And he also then redefines a relationship with us. And then he sends us out to execute the command. That's what we're going to find in this passage today. So I sort of gave you that heads up outline, right? So let's go, first of all, noticing uh, a relationship change. There's a relationship change that takes place here in terminology being used, a tone that's being used. Jesus changes uh, how we have a relationship with him in a different way than normally described. He goes from teacher, disciple, from master, servant, from savior to friend. Friend. Think about this. Jesus says, I've called you friends. Jesus describes the measure and the quality of his love for them as a love that treats servants as friends. In a relationship between a disciple and a rabbi at that time, friendship wasn't a term that was used. You don't call your rabbi friend. Yet Jesus, the rabbi, called his disciples, his servants, friends. Friend, like, how can the God of this universe dare use that term, friend? I want you to think about some of your friends. I mean, what was some of your first relationships, some of your first friendships? I go back to kindergarten, first name that comes to my mind is Eric. And then I go into middle school and high school, and I think of Kevin and Kenny, and I think of Brian, and and I think of Tammy and Carmen and and Danelle, and I think of all of them. I think in college, my roommate Troy, and then... Todd, and I think of uh, of Woody, and, and Brian, and Tim, and Ricky, and, and I mean, the list goes on. I mean, so many friends, but how did they start? How did those friendships begin? So when we give our life to Jesus, we need to understand this. He first chose us. In a regular friendship, there's probably a mutual, I want to be friends with you, you want to be friends with me, but it starts here with Jesus saying, Hey, I'm choosing you first. And then he puts the choice back upon us. Do we want to be his friend? And I'm telling you something. I think about that friendship. To have a friendship with Jesus, it'd be an intense friendship. But let's think about how that initiation started. Now remember, we were created in God's image to be in a relationship with him. Let that sink in. Now picture maybe God coming to you at Valentine's. With a little card saying, will you be my valentine? Like, will you be my friend? And what does mankind do? We don't even reach out for that valentine. We sort of look at it like, I don't want it. No thanks. I've got enough other friends. I've got others that love me. I don't need your love. 
Now, if you're saying, where do I come up with that kind of thought? Grab your Bibles and now turn. If you want to, put a marker in John. We'll come back to that. Turn now to the book of Romans. So you're in John. Go back a couple books. John, Acts, Romans. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We'll start in verse 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Okay, we have no excuse. God is here. No excuse. Let's read on. Verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And he began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, instead they became utterly foolish. Verse 23 says, And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made up to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24 goes on to say, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did violent, degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25 goes on to say, They traded the truth about God for lies, so they worshipped and they served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise forever. Amen. See, we were created again to be in that close relationship with God, an almighty Creator. But yet man, mankind, we, we reject God's invitation. We reject his valentine. So God, he let us fall. And boy, did we fall. But God wasn't done with us. You see, God in his great love said that, you know what? While you're still sinners, while you're rejecting me, while you've chosen not to be my friend, I'm going to come to this planet. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to come in the flesh. To save you. To die for you. Not just to experience a physical death. But a spiritual death. A separation from God. So that we would not have to. See that love goes beyond our understanding. It's hard to understand it right. It's an incredible love. You know we sing amazing grace. Because it is amazing that he would give us what we do not deserve. But that's love. That's friendship. And that's what God calls us to do now. Jesus says there's no greater love than one who lays down their life for another. And that's what Jesus did for us. But he's not necessarily commanding us here in the scripture to say, you got you to die for somebody. He's saying that's the kind of intensity of the love that you should have for others. What Jesus does ask us here to do is he says, I just want you to obey me. That's what friends do. Friends listen to each other and then they go out and do what their friend asked them to do. Obviously, as long as it's healthy, right? And not destructive. But look at verse 14. Verse 14 goes on to say, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. So I'm going to what? Be obedient here, right? You're my friends if, if you do what I command. 
He's asking us to obey him. That creates this, this friendship uh, even more intense. But here's the thing we need to understand about obedience. Obedience is, is three things, at least from what I'm looking. When I look at this, I see three things pop out uh, in, in my mind. And I see one, first of all, obedience is, is active. It's active. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do. See, it's about the do's and not the do nots. Um, I, I sometimes sit there and think, well, I, I don't swear and I, I don't drink and I don't go places I shouldn't go. Okay, those are the don'ts, but Jesus is saying, I want you to do something. Yeah, I know those are things maybe I shouldn't do, okay? But sometimes we get so focused on the shall nots that we forget what we are supposed to do. Now, I imagine some of you parents out there with younger kids, you're, you're totally going to understand this this illustration. So here's the way it works. Your child comes up to you and they say, hey, dad, hey, mom, can I go do this? And you're like, no, no, you, that's, no, you can't do that. Sorry. And then for the next 30 minutes to an hour, there's an argument that comes out because you never let me do this. I can't do this. Why can't I do this one thing? And you as a parent will sit there and try to explain it. But maybe then you're like, hey, but you know what? Here's 100 other things you can go do. It doesn't matter if there's a truckload of things you can go do if I'm not allowed to do this one thing over here. For, the, for that child, it's all about, I can't do this. But, but look what you can do. And I think sometimes in our faith, we get so focused on the, the shall not, I can't do this, that we forget about all the things that God's asking us to do. And if you occupy your time with all the things you can do for him, the obedience factor... The, the shout nots really take care of themselves. They don't even issue. Obedience is, is active. It's focused on the things we, we can do, we should do. And obedience is also continuous. It's not about following God just one moment. Well, I'll obey him this one time. Obedience is continuous. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday or on a holiday. But every moment you have to go worship him, you do. It's a continuous thing. There's no vacation from the Lord. I remember going on vacation with my family as a little kid. and It was Sunday and, and I'm in the backseat with a couple of my brothers and, and we're driving along. My mom and dad are looking for a church and some of us are like, man, we're on vacation. We don't go to church on vacation, right? Well, my mom and dad were looking for a church that we can go visit. And, and they were looking around and I, and I distinctly remember we couldn't find it. But then I looked over and said, oh, there it is. And I remember a couple elbows hitting my ribs from my brothers. I think they were hoping from a vacation from church, like, oh, way to go, Rex. And I was just trying to be helpful, right? Some of us like to take vacations um, from, from being obedient, from worshiping. I have truly enjoyed uh, some of your Facebook posts about Chris Farley just like dancing and getting crazy as he's coming into a crowd of people and everybody's saying, is that going to be Pastor Rex when church starts up again? Is he going to come in dancing and all excited and all hyper and that? And I've gotten a kick out of a lot of those posts. And maybe it will be. Because you see, we were created to worship together. To come together continually. Not sporadically. And see, obedience is the same way. Obedience is continuous. Obedience is also in all things. Jesus went on to say, whatever I command you. Christian living isn't just a buffet that I pick and choose from. I'm going to obey this one, but not that one. I'm going to obey this one, but not that one. It's not a buffet. 
God hands us something and he says, hey, I'm going to feed you this. And some of us are like, like me when I was a little kid, like green beans. No, thanks. I'll pass on that. I was a pretty picky eater, right? Some of us are very picky in the commands that God gives us. Like, yeah, I'll do that one, but I'm not going to do that one. But see, as we abide in that relationship with God, as we grow and as we mature, what happens is we no longer sit around saying, I hope God serves steak today. Instead, we sort of sit there and say, hey, whatever God puts on my plate today, I will choose to eat it. That's the maturity of abiding in Christ. There's another thing about friendships. Friendships include conversation, right? You sit down, you talk with people, you share words, you share emotions. And Jesus was doing that in the upper room. He was, he was pouring out his feelings. And as they walked to the Garden of Gethsemane, he poured out more. His thoughts, his hopes, his commands to those he then calls friends. We have friendship with Jesus because, again, he chose us. Maybe we can pick the friends that we want, but he chose us. It's a mutual thing with people, but it's a God thing of him choosing us first. It's a lot different, right? But Jesus sort of says, listen, you're my friend. I'm choosing you. But now, now I want you to respond. I'm offering you this friendship. You're going to respond to this or not? And we're like, yeah. I want to be your friend, Christ. I want not just a friendship. I understand that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And we start to grow. and We start to mature in our relationship with him. That Like a friendship here. And, and then here it comes. Again, to abide in him. So we become more fruitful. Now remember, we have purpose to bear fruit. And Jesus is concerned about this. This is why he brings it up. If you go back to John chapter 15 and you look at verse 2, it says that he wants us to bear more fruit. Okay? I want you to bear more fruit. Here's the thing. We shouldn't be satisfied with our current place of where we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should want to bear more. Then in verse 8, it says we should bear much fruit. Hey, little, little fruit, little glory to God. Much fruit, much glory to God. I want much. We went from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. But wait, it changes. Verse 16, it says that we are to bear fruit that last. Do you see the progression here? Not too long ago, I, I was helping somebody um, load a few things in the trunk of their car. Don't worry, it's nobody from the church. It wasn't a family member or anything like that. So you're all safe. Um, but I, I pop, they popped open their trunk. I'm carrying this box. I go to put it in the back of their trunk. And I look and the trunk is completely emptied out except for there's like one thing in there. It was, it was a, it was a banana. It was a black banana. And I'm sitting there going, and I, as I put down this box, I'm thinking, should I grab that banana and go throw it in the trash for them? I, why do they have an over-ripened banana, a rotten banana in their trunk? I was thinking, maybe it's a new thing, scares spiders away or something, I don't know. But I, I'm looking at that and I'm going, it's spoiled. The, the truth is, all fruit eventually spoils, right? Even our labor, our work, I can go work on a building. You can go build a new building. You, somebody can sew new clothing. Um, you can, but eventually, here's the thing. Those things fade away. But one thing remains, and that's the fruitfulness of Christ. And that is because he is eternal, so his work is eternal. His love in me doesn't fade away. My acts of love might fade but his love 
does not fade. I was thinking about this. Here's, let me explain. At the church, we could do some kind of event. Backyard bash, food pantry. We could do some really nice events here. But those events will eventually fade as we prepare for the next event. But I pray that the fruit of our labor is that there's going to be a moment at one of those events where somebody surrenders their life to Christ. That's the eternal part of it. No matter how many decorations I put up, those fade away. But the spiritual side of it, I pray, is eternal. FCA camp, we, we, we do every year. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And, and there are late nights, and it's exhausting. But in the end, all that fades away. But what we hope and what we pray for is that there was spiritual fruit grown in the lives of the campers. That those who were at camp, they spiritually surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ. And now his Holy Spirit is at work in them. Again, I think about that fruit that is eternal. That's what we're, we're seeking here. In your Bibles, look at John chapter 13, verses 34, 35. Jesus said this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. We talked about this probably a month ago. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now in verse 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I've loved you. Jesus is saying, take this fruit that's being produced in you. Share it. Don't, don't hoard the gifts of God. My friend, you have God's love growing in you right now. And he is asking you and I to share that love. This, this great love, it's a sacrificial love. It's a selfless love. It, it's a laying down your life love. And that's challenging. But wait, he says it a, a third time. If you're counting John 13, he says this in verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. It's repeated. Why is he repeating himself here? Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Why does Jesus keep repeating himself? Within a matter of hours, this is, this is three times he said this. Maybe because it's like when we talk to each other or our kids or... You know, it's like, hey, take out the garbage. Hey, would you take out the garbage? Can somebody please take out the garbage? Can you fold the clothes? Can you wash the dishes? Can you please walk the dog? Please walk the dog. Can you please go walk the dog? How come I got to keep repeating my commands to you, son? Right? Because maybe they didn't hear it. Maybe they're being lazy. Maybe they're not paying attention. So maybe Jesus say, hey, love one another. Love one another. Hey, would you love one another? Maybe the God of this universe knows that we're going to get lazy. That, that we're not going to listen at times. That we're not paying attention. And so he's like, can I get your attention, please? I'm giving you a command. And I, I'm going to repeat it. And I'm going to repeat it. Love one another. Love one another. You know, are we lacking love? You know, I don't know. point is God's ripening this fruit within us. The fruit of love. Fruit left on the vines does no good. It's, it's not about looking good. It's, it's about looking, what, plentiful? Is that what it is? Now, I'm going to apologize. I don't know if I told the kids what to do with their paper and their markers and their crayons. If I didn't, 
Start drawing right now. And if I already did, good. This is how my memory works, okay? I need you to draw me a Christmas tree and a fruit tree. Okay, start drawing away. Christmas tree, fruit tree. Put those on display later. Now, why are you drawing those two things? You just go ahead and draw away. And as you're drawing, parents listen to what I'm going to say here. As they draw their pictures, I'm going to make a guess that in the end, now I've sort of given them a, maybe a heads up and they might cheat on me now. But in the end, if you compare the two pictures, the Christmas tree is going to be pretty decorative. The fruit tree is going to be pretty plain. That's just my guess. If you ask somebody to do this and they, they draw two pictures, put them side by side, Christmas tree, wow, decorative. Fruit tree, not so much. So I want you to think about this, okay? Because uh, I love Christmas. I love Christmas trees. A few years ago, we went back to tradition of going out and cutting down our own tree and uh, putting it in a stand and decorating it and watering it. Uh, we did that as when I grew up as a child. We'd go out and cut our own tree. Um, and then... Years ago, we went to an artificial tree, back to a real tree, okay? And we put that tree at a place, like most people do, where others can see it. It's usually in the middle of a living room, so if anybody who comes in the house, they're going to see it. And you probably even put that tree by a window so people outside can see that tree. And you put lights on it. You put a star on the top or an angel on the top. And you have all these decorations, and it just, oh, it just catches your eye, right? Now, compare that with the fruit tree. Has anybody ever seen anybody cut down a fruit tree and stick that in the middle of their house? Or even use an artificial fruit tree and put that in their house? And they're in a room where everybody can see it. Maybe by a window so that everybody drives by can see it. They don't, do they? Well, take a look at the Christmas trees that you may or may not be drawing. And, and again, think about that Christmas tree. All decorated. We sing songs about that tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Yo, Christmas tree. Like, and, and nobody goes around saying, oh, fruit tree, oh, fruit tree. It happened, right? The Christmas tree reminds me a lot of mankind in that we can be very selfish at times. Like, hey, look at me. I'm looking good. Do you like me? Do you, click on a couple likes that you like me so that I feel even better about myself. Can you sing a song about me? Hey, look at me. I'm all bright and shiny, right? And then you got the fruit tree. It's like just sitting there going, okay, well, I've got a few leaves on me and here comes the fruit. Nobody's singing about me. Nobody's like making a big deal about me. What's the problem here? The problem is that the Christmas tree, as beautiful as it is, as decorative as it is, as attention grabbing as it is, is what? It's cut off. It's dying. It's been severed. And in a couple of weeks, the needles will fall off. Colors will change and you're going to just toss it outside. Meanwhile, that fruit tree is still standing strong, producing fruit. See, a lot of us are like the Christmas tree. It's all about us. Look at me. I look good, right? But we've been cut off because we're not abiding in God. We're cut off. And we're dying spiritually. But the fruit tree is that of a Christian who's got his, his roots deep into the soil and connected with God. And, and you're abiding in him and now you're producing fruit. And the Christmas tree is always about, hey, look at me. The fruit tree is like, hey, I've got something for you. Take of my tree. Eat of my fruit. As a Christian, we should be like the fruit tree, not the Christmas tree. We are abiding so that we can give. We're, we're not cut off to gain attention. So which one are you? 
Again, we look at scripture, it says we're created with purpose to bear fruit. Now it's time to share your fruit. And then really, we're getting at the end of this sermon, and I'm finally getting to the point is, you and I have God's love in us. Now it's time for us to share that love. That that fruit is growing in us, and now it's time for us to, to take that love and share it with others. We're living in close quarters right now, right? Some of you have been with each other longer than you've ever remembered, and you're starting to get on each other's nerves. And I'm sure there's some arguments that take place at home. I'm sure there's some short fuses. I'm sure there's some moments when you're just like, I'm a little bit on the edge right now, or you start spouting off at each other. You hop on social media and you whine and you complain because it's like, uh, my love level is really low right now. If there's ever a time that we needed to display the fruit of God of love, and peace and joy. It's now. To really be kind to one another. That's one of the fruits, right? The kindness. We've been focusing on love. And turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. This is one of my favorite verses here. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. There's another translation. This caught my eye about five years ago. I walked into a dorm at a college and they had this verse on the wall of the dorm. And it said this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now here's the verse they had on the wall. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And the word outdo caught my, my attention. And I asked the hall director, I said, why do you have that verse up there? He goes, well, we've got a lot of athletes that live on this floor. They're very competitive. And we've got to really learn to love one another. And because we're competitive, we like that word outdo. We're going to compete with how we can outlove one another. And boy, that really grabbed hold of me and I liked it. And I, so I looked up that word and, and actually that word is not just a competitive word. It's a leadership word. It says to, to go before or show the way to, to, to go before as a leader. See, as Christians, Paul's telling us, listen, you've got the fruit of the Spirit in you. You've got love flowing out of you because of that friendship, that relationship that you have with the God of this universe. You are full of this love that hopefully it's being produced in you. Now you need to take it and lead the way and show others how to love. Outdo one another in showing love. Make it a, you know, and this isn't what Jesus is saying here, or what Paul is trying to say here as he wrote this, but I, I look at it as like, man, I'm going to try to outdo you in showing love to other people. We're sending the world to love one another, and sometimes we live as if we're sending the world to compete with one another, or to dispute with one another, or to quarrel with one another, but we're sent to love one another. You know, we receive things from God that we just can't pass on. My identity. My value, my purpose. God gave that to me and me alone. He gave me eternal life. He gave that to me. I can't pass any of those things on to anybody else that I know. But then he does give us his love. He is love and he gives us his love. And he says that you can pass on to somebody else. And to me, that's just amazing and mind blowing. So let me give you an example. So I brought this, uh, this, this, this water jug here. So I want you to sort of imagine, um, picture, uh, picture yourself walking outside and you got water in here and, and you're going to go on, you're going to water the plants. 
Now, as you go on, you water the plants and you, you're, you're tilting your water bucket and you're just sort of a little bit here, a little bit there. And enough, you're not going to drown the plants, but yeah, you got to make sure it gets enough, right? Pictures are like this. So it's like the person walking is God. You and I, we're the container. We're, we're, we're the vessel. And he fills us with his living water, which is love. And then he commands us, he takes us to places, home, work, wherever it may be. And as we are there in that place, he says, I want you to pour out what I've given you on other people. So we, he takes us and he uses us so that we can pour out his love onto other people. Not, not flooding them and making them sick of us, but yet not doing it sparingly and letting them thirst. We pour out just enough. That's, that's sort of the picture I'm trying to help you understand. And Jesus commands us and he says, take this love, love each other the same way I've loved you. Now contrast that love with the love of Jesus just for a minute. Alexander McLaren said this, my love at its best has so far conquered my selfishness that now and then I'm ready to suffer a little inconvenience, to sacrifice a little spare time, to give away a little money, to spend a little dribble of sympathy upon the people who are its objects. Christ's love led him down to the throne, nailed him to a cross, and shut for time the gates of glory behind him. And he says, that's your pattern. Wow. Those words of Alexander McLaren, um, as I read those, it, it hit home. I'm just thinking, you know, how God fills us with this, this fruitfulness as we abide in him. And then we can obey those commands of his to love one another. As a friend of Christ delights in hanging out with him, you can't be a good friend with your Savior and not spend time with him so we, we abide, right? But then we take that love and we do something with it. If we are a friend to others, if, if we are to love others, then we need to share truth with others as well. As I wrap this up, I just want to give you a last challenge here. And that is, we're, we're experiencing, obviously, a pandemic here in this world. And no one in our lifetime has ever experienced this. The, the, no one has a manual for how to act or, or react to what's going on. And I want you to understand this, that there's so many people around the world and probably right in your neighborhood that don't know how to respond to all this. They don't have faith. They don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about God's love. They have no hope. It's, it's dark for them. I mean, for them, what could possibly give them peace? People are dying daily, and they're passing on to a place called hell. And it's not just dying from uh, the coronavirus, but from other diseases and, and cancer and other things. And they're probably feeling pretty hopeless and helpless right now. They've refused the friendship of God. They've refused the love of God and his salvation. And here's the thing. God's, God's working through us now. He's given us a message of truth and hope and love. And he says, would you please take this and go into a world that's dying? Share my love with people who really need it right now. 
this past week, Pastor Don Cousins, I love, uh, I really enjoy listening to him. And he shared about the projected death of, of the COVID-19. And he said the death rate, I think he said it was around 1%. And he, less than 1%. Um, and of course, we see here calculations all over the place, right? Regardless, less than 1%. Those numbers uh, aren't exactly, I said, don't call me. But he went on to say this. There's another disease that's really infecting the whole world. It's called sin. And the death rate is 100%. Every one of us is going to die. The question is, when you die, will you spend eternity in heaven or hell? And the thing is, as Christians, we have the cure, Jesus Christ. That's why John wrote the book of John. That's why Paul and Peter were so excited and and, and so uh, compelled to share. Because they had the answer. They had the answer. They had the cure. We have it too. So take the fruit that Jesus is growing in you as you abide in him. And as it's produced in you, now take that fruit and share it with others. Share his love. I'm going to um, ask you once again, I did this last week, but that initial question is, I have to ask you, are you even connected? Are you connected to the vine? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't, then that friendship isn't there. That love can't be there. You can't share something with somebody else you don't have. So I'm going to pause and ask you to pray with me if you've never asked Christ into your life before. If you've never surrendered to him before. You can pray with me. You can repeat after me if you want. You can use your own words. It needs to come from your heart, not mine. But I really feel compelled again to make sure we understand that we have to have that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't, let's do that today. When I get done, we're going to sing a song and then I've got a few more things to say. So let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I admit that I've done wrong. And I'm infected with a disease called sin. God, will you please forgive me of the things I've done wrong? Heal me. Cure me from this sin. I believe you can. And I confess these sins to you. And I know, God, that if I confess my sins to you, you forgive me. So thank you for forgiving me. I want to be your friend. But I also understand you're more than a friend. You are to be honored and respected and feared and loved. So God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. God, help me to love others. Help me to live a life that honors you. To be fruitful. Help me to abide with you every day. Thank you, Lord. I love you. In the name I pray. Amen.